بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد وزلزلوا حتى يقول الرسول والذين آمنوا والذين آمنوا معه متى نصر الله ألا إن نصر الله قريب Our dear listeners today we go back to our coverage of the Ibn Ata'illah's Hikam with the Ikmal al-Shiyam of Sheikh Gangohi. So in this next Hikam, which is is number 235 of the Hikam collection, Ibn Ata'illah says, إِنَّمَا أَجْرَ الْأَذَى عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ كَيْ لَا تَكُونَ سَاكِنًا إِلَيْهِمْ إِنَّمَا أَجْرَ الْأَذَى عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ كَيْ لَا تَكُونَ سَاكِنًا إِلَيْهِمْ أراد أن يزعجك عن كل شيء حتى لا يشغلك عنه شيء أراد أن يزعجك عن كل شيء حتى لا يشغلك عنه شيء Amazing, amazing, profound uh, wisdom here Ibn Ata'illah rahimahullah says He only made affliction come at the hands of people So that you do not repose in them he only made affliction come at the hands of people so that you do not repose in them. He wanted to drive you out of everything so that nothing would divert you from him. He's saying, in summary, that you see that sometimes difficulties come to you, trouble comes to you, problems come to you. In fact, some of the biggest problems that we deal with come to us from other people. Not just the sickness, which comes directly, or some other kind of loss, but sometimes it's somebody's aggression against you, somebody speaking bad against you, somebody slandering you, somebody cheating you, swindling you, blaming you. There's so many things. You see that they come. And sometimes it comes from those who are closest to us. Sometimes even from family members. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, Ibn Ata'illah is telling us, That if you want to understand why that happens, because sometimes you get bewildered. I trusted you so much. He was the most trustworthy trustworthy person to me. I would never expect my brother to do this. My business partner, I've been working him for 20 years. But no, most of our afflictions and tests come from other people. And he says here, he only made these afflictions come at the hands of people so that you will never get comfortable with them. You will never find repose in them. You will never be consoled by them. You will never feel secure with them. Because Allah wants you to feel secure with Him. He wants to realize that people are weak. You can have problems from Him. So that you will never begin to love them so much that it will make you negligent of Allah. Then He says, He wanted, you to, he wanted to drive you away from everything. And people are generally who we would incline towards most. Aside from wealth and everything, it would be people, generally. And uh, I'll explain as we go along. He wanted to drive you away from everything so that nothing, nothing, even those closest to you, could divert you from Him. These are all signs of Allah. And those who can understand this, 
they suddenly start seeing everything for what it is and then they don't get upset because they realize that I don't understand why they're bothering me. I don't understand how they could say this about me. I don't know why they're spreading rumors about me. Now you know. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if this is part of His wisdom, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just wants you to turn to Him and realize that it doesn't matter what they think. You're not supposed to find security with them. You're supposed to find security with Allah. So, the idea of this, and I'm going to comment on it according to a commentary. And I want you to understand from here that whenever we have troubles in our life and you're trying to do good, because a lot of people will tell you that I never used to be practicing before. And my life was easy. Suddenly I start practicing and this goes wrong, that goes wrong. This person turns against me, my boss turns against me, this happens and that happens. Then, if you're on the right track, and if you're trying your best, then realize that there's a wisdom in there from Allah. There's a wisdom in everything, but in this case, it's very positive for you. It's going to be tough, but this is just Allah forcing you to realize that you can't trust everybody. That you can't hope for the best from everybody all the time. This is not to say you must feel bad about them. This is just that you must... Look for goodness and security with Allah only. But it doesn't mean that you denigrate people either. It doesn't mean that you look down upon people. It's just that you don't put your trust in anything except Allah or through Allah. That's the main reason. So let us... The idea here is that the ruh, the spirit of the human being, it finds it very easy to incline and become comfortable with the dunya, with this lowly earth, and with all, the difficult, with all the ease and the pleasures that you find in it. Now, if that happens, then it becomes very difficult for them to focus on the afterlife, to focus on spirituality, to focus on developing their inside and developing their real self, their real insaniya. So, when people begin to love even their closest ones too much, in the absence of Allah's love, that's very important because Allah wants you to love them for His sake and that's fine. But when you begin to love them so much and you forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether that be your companions, your partners, your spouses, your children, your family, then it is from Allah's hikmah that if He wants good for you, sometimes you will then He will make you realize that whenever evil happens from any of these people, then it's to take you away from them and to focus and get you comfortable with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To, to create harmony. To create, uh, to create con a, a, a sense of comfort with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> when that happens, then a person is going to start understanding that I must never hope for good to come from people. I must always hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then if good comes from people, alhamdulillah, that's not a problem. When a person realizes that and puts their full trust in Allah and totally breaks away and severs their trust from people, then that means that they've got somewhere with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now they're on a path. Now they're getting somewhere. Because the point is that if you get a lot of honor from people and people show you a lot of honor and you're not really doing well, then it's just a ploy from the shaitan that makes you feel so comfortable with that you feel you're very comfortable and secure and good 
and you never think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the amazing ways of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this life. Right? Allah wants to put his stamp everywhere. And some people recognize it, other people do not recognize it. So that's why when it comes to the awliya, the friends of Allah, those who are trying their best, then whenever difficulties become more intensified, that just indicates to them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has something even greater in store for me. I'm going to make sabr here. I'm going to focus my, I'm going to, I'm going to focus my entire attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why they completely stop their focus on people and their focus turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're still living with people. They're still interacting with people, assisting people, helping people, talking to people. It's not that they go in a cave or something, but their focus in terms of their heart as to who's going to give them something is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the commentary says, أَرَادَ الْحَقُّ تَعَالَىٰ أَنْ يُزْعِجَكَ عَنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مِنْ هَذَا الْعَالَمِ حَتَّى لَا تَرْكَنْ إِلَى شَيْءٍ That you never become inclined to anything. Allah wants you to show, Allah wants to show you that you cannot trust anything to be there for you all the time. That's why in, in Ibn Atayla actually says in his Lata'iful Minan, اِعْلَمْ أَنَّ أَوْلِيَاءِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ حُكْمُهُمْ فِي بِدَايَتِهِمْ أَنْ يُسَلَّطَ الْخَلْقُ عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَتَطَهَّرُوا مِنَ الْبَقَايَا وَتَكْمُلْ فِيهِمْ الْمَزَايَا وَكَيْ لَا يُسَاكِنُوا هَذَا الْخَلْقَ بِاعْتِمَادِ أَوْ يَمِيلُوا إِلَيْهِمْ بِاسْتِنَادِ وَمَنْ آذَاكْ فَقَدْ أَعْتَقَكَ مِنْ رِقِّ إِحْسَانِهِ He said that whenever you have difficulties, especially in the beginning, you'll suffer difficulties. Especially when you try to become more righteous, you'll suffer difficulties. So anyone who wants to become closer to Allah, especially during these times, and you start suffering difficulties, remember those difficulties are good for you. They're literally just to help us turn our attention away from the temporary to the everlasting. And that's why, this is the way Ibn Atayla said, he says that if anybody harms you, then what he's done is that he's actually freed you from his slavery. Subhanallah. Anybody who harms you, not to say you go around harming people to try to be God's army, right? Because you would not be God's army there. So the idea here is that anybody who harms you, they've actually freed you from the slavery of their excellent behavior to you. Because he says that woman ahsana ilayk faqad istarakkaka wujudu imtinanihi. Anybody who does a good favor to you, then he basically makes you his, the slave of his favor. What that means basically is that human beings are the slaves of favors. When somebody does something good to you, generally most people, most decent people, will feel obliged. Will feel like, okay, they're doing good for me, I need to reciprocate. And we should do, we should reciprocate. There's nothing, no harm in that. But the idea is that that's more dangerous, apparently, for those who really understand, that's actually more dangerous than those, who, uh, th than those people who basically do something bad to you. Because those people who do something bad to you, they're not making you their slaves. They're forcing you to turn to Allah. Just in that sense, in that sense. That, mean, that doesn't mean that you don't do good to people and that you act bad to people. That's why then he says, وَلِذَلِكَ قَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ أَسْدَى إِلَيْكُمْ مَعْرُوفًا فَكَافِئُوهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَقْدِرُوا فَدْعُوا لَهُ Anybody who does any good thing to you, anybody who deals with you good in a nice way, then reciprocate. Do a good thing back. Because then you've paid off the ihsan, that means you don't have a favor remaining upon you. If you're not able to give them anything back in kind, then at least make dua for them. So at least you've repaid them. And all of this is just to take the heart away from becoming too obliged to people 
rather than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, you can still be obliged to people, but the main focus is that you're obliged to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the ulama said it this way. Now, you have to put this in perspective. They said that you should run away from the best of people more than you can run away from the worst of people. Now, put that in perspective. right? And the point is that he says, because the best of them will basically affect your heart because of the good they'll do to you. And you'll become obliged to them. Whereas the worst of them, if they do anything to you, they'll physically harm you. They won't harm you in your heart, they'll physically harm you. The harm will only be on your body, they may beat you up, right? They may aggress against you in that sense. And he says that, that you are afflicted in your body is actually much better and lighter for you than you're afflicted in your heart. Remember, it's a very perspective, a specific perspective he's talking about here. And وَلَا عَدُوٌ تَصِلُ بِهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ مِّنْ حَبِيبٍ يَقْتَعُكَ عَنِ اللَّهِ It is better that you have an enemy who gets you closer and joined to Allah and associated with Allah than having a friend that actually cuts you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he makes you feel so comfortable. And this is, subhanAllah, I mean, this is, you have to understand, this is in one perspective. The friend is not doing you any wrong. But it's just the way we process that information and that interaction that we need to be careful. That's all it is. Apparently what the ulama say is that whenever Allah wants to make you an, a wali of Allah and you start practicing more, then Allah, this is a sunnah of the awliya basically, that it happens to them that Allah will give them difficulty. That a source of gaining greatness to Allah. It's an amazing system of Allah in the world. But at least it makes sense. Because the thing that people can't deal with difficulties. Now if this is the philosophy, that dealing with difficulties, see it as a way to get you closer to Allah, alhamdulillah, what better than anything that gets you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway. That's why we learn uh, from a verse in the Quran with regards to the Sahaba as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَزُلْزِلُوا حَتَّى يَقُولَ الرَّسُولُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا right? They were shaken. They were, tremors overtook them. Like they were really tested. Just look at the whole life of the Meccan life, the Medinan life, until the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or until the Messenger and the people would believe with him, they asked, When is the assistance of Allah coming? Allah inna nasrallahi qareeb. Know that the assistance of Allah is very close, the help of Allah is very near. And there's numerous other ayat that tell us this, reinforce that same idea. A Shaykh Abu Hassan, a Shadili, he once, radiallahu anh, said that Adhani insanun marratan. There's one guy who um, he afflicted me with some harm. He harmed me somehow once. For I felt really bad in my heart about it. Like, why is he doing this? What's going on? Fanimt. So I, I fell asleep. And I saw somebody saying to me, meaning I heard somebody saying to me in my dream, that. It's from the position of being a Siddiq, close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they could have a lot of enemies. And then, but the sign is that you have a lot of enemies, but it, it doesn't bother you anymore. Subhanallah. If you look at our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the best of examples, the most closest to Allah, the best of Allah's creation, you'll see that the struggles that they went through right from the beginning, from the Quraysh, after his prophecy, after he became a prophet, he had to stay with them for 13 years. 
the Meccan period, the difficulties, huge difficulties. And after that, he went to Medina Munawwara. And while that was, maybe he had his own place and everything, and his own people, but constant attacks, constant attacks. There was no rest. During the Medinan period as well, there was no rest. You always had to be on your feet. He's either teaching, he's either defending, he's either fighting, he's either responding. There were traitors within, there were the munafiqeen and the hypocrites. There were the other tribes down there of the Yahud, right? There, there, there was constant tensions uh, with those people, with all the other people, with the enemies coming from outside to attack. Until eventually he went to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a state where he had a huge temperature, even at the end. Likewise, the Ashab, the Sahaba after him, same thing. They had so much difficulty afterwards. In fact, you could say that so many of them, like a huge amount of the Sahaba, were killed either in battle or some other way. If you, if you take it, if you, if, you, if you look at it, Siddiq radiallahu anhu, they say that he was poisoned. Right? He died eventually of some kind of poisoning because, uh, because of a poison that was administered before. Farooq was killed. Umar Farooq radiallahu anhu, he was martyred in prayer. Uthman radiallahu anhu, he was also murdered. By, by, the rebe- the, by the rebels Ali radiallahu anhu he was struck with a knife that, that, had po- that was a poison knife until he passed away Hassan radiallahu anhu was also poisoned then Hussein radiallahu anhu he was killed his head was taken off they played around they mocked his, they, they messed around with his head in Sham then after that he was finally buried in Egypt right? so subhanAllah can you imagine what these people had to go through then after that, if you look at the other great awliya Allah, like Junaid al-Baghdadi, rahimahullah, it wasn't easy for them. And I'm going to tell you his story. It wasn't easy for them either. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took them through that trial and then after that made it easy for them. So it doesn't mean that you have to be killed at the end of it. There's a lot of them which had difficulties and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors of his mercy, opened the doors of his gifts and after that it was completely fine. But at the beginning of it, the, 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 the time that most people will suffer when they try to become an awliya Allah will be at the beginning. Otherwise, later Allah, it's, it's a trial at the beginning and then the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the test phase, then comes the goodness. And then after that, it's just conquest after conquest. And I don't mean conquest like physical conquest, it's just that after that, you're winning everything. Then you've got no problem. But there's a difficulty in the, until that period. So, for example, let me give you the story of... Uh, from the Abbasid, Abbasid court, we've got Mutawakkil Billah, who's the Abbasid Khalif. And it's in his time when you had uh, Junaid al-Baghdadi, one of, one of the greatest of our awliya, who pretty much everybody's probably heard of. So there were some jurists at the time who, had some, who couldn't understand some of the things he said. So what they did was they, went, they came to the Khalif, Mutawakkil Billah, and they said that Junaid and his entire group, and he had like over 200 very dedicated followers and lots of other people he had influenced. So they basically said that he's become a heretic. He's got ideas that are against the faith. Heterodox idea, he's no longer orthodox Sunni, uh, Sunni Muslim. So the Khalifa, uh, whose name was Mutawakkil Billah, he actually liked Janaid al-Baghdadi. He had a lot of love for him. But you have to basically, uh, the, whatever the system is, you have to follow the, the, follows, uh, the policy and the protocol. So, first he, he got angry on them. He says, you're, 
enemies of Allah. You just want to create a lot of problem for these awliya of Allah. Because you don't understand them, you just want to cause problem with them. And you just want to get rid of them one by one. Just the way you got rid of, and he mentioned some of the awliya before who had been killed. right? Uh, under certain cases and so on. Every day you're coming up with some different complaint about something he said or something he's doing. This, you have to remember that you're not going to be able to effect this Junaid al-Baghdadi until you're able to provide sufficient evidence to basically prove that he is guilty of heresy. That he's guilty of things against the faith. So what I want you to do is Get all of your jurists together. Get all of your scholars together. And then we're going to have a session. And if you are able to overcome him in the evidence and prove that he's wrong, and people can witness the fact that you are definitely, uh, you've definitely proved your point, then I will kill him. I will have him finished. But if it's not the case and he, he proves you wrong, then wallahi, I'm going to strike all of you. And I'm going to finish you all off until not a single one of you remains. Now in those days, that's the way they dealt with things. right? You take somebody's head off in those days. That's the way our historical scene has been. So they said, okay, fine. So they got together far and wide the scholars from uh, Sham, from Yemen, from Iraq, and from the other cities. When all of these people, had, when all of these jurists, you can imagine what kind of a session this must have been. Some of the scholars from all of the different places uh, around the Muslim world. So they brought them all together. And uh, meaning, all, uh, anybody who was known to be a good jurist some way or the other, they brought them all over. Whether they all agreed with it or not, Allah knows best. But they were all brought in. So when they all gathered together, the Khalifa sent for Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah. So Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah, he, he came. He approached them with he, he approached the palace with his students. Junaid Baghdadi rahimullah he entered himself and he left he left his he, he left all of his followers behind outside because he wanted to fulfill the the, the, the request of the Khalif. So he came and he basically uh, greeted the Khalifa as you would greet them, and then after that he sat down. So one of the jurors stood up to ask him. A question about something. So the Qadi, the judge, because remember this was going to be a session where a judge is going to be there. So now the judge got up. His name was Ali ibn Abi Thawr. Ali, the son of Abu Thawr. That's the judge's name. So he took, he, he took the matter under his control and he said that you're going to ask Junaid, right? You're going to ask him questions? So they said yes. So he said to him, okay, fine. Is anybody among you who's got a better understanding of the deen than you have? They said no. They were honest. They said no. He's got a better, because he was a big scholar as well. Right? He's got a better understanding. So he said, that's really strange. How strange that is. He is much more knowledgeable than you with regards to your science. And he also has other understandings of other sciences, the science of the inner self and spirituality, which you have a problem with meaning you don't recognize and you don't know that science so how are you going to ask a man right who you don't even understand what 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 he will tell you because he knows another science which you do not know so they were taken aback they were surprised They're like yeah that's right 
So they became silent for a while. And then they said, okay, what shall we do then? Ya Qadil Muslimin. Right? Oh, judge of the Muslimin, what shall we do then? Because we need to resolve this case. Tell us whatever you want and we'll do that. Because obviously we have to listen to you. So Qadi turns away from them. He gets close to the Khalifa and he says to him that, you know what? Leave Junaid. Go and send somebody outside to his followers, his students. Meaning, send the guy of your sword. You know, the, the guy who basically takes people's head off. Go send him, the punisher. Send him outside. Uh, his name was Walid ibn, Ra- ibn Rabi'a, the, 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 the executioner. Send your executioner outside to his entourage, to his students, and he should announce among them that may yakumu ila safe. Who's going to get up and confront the sword? Right? Who's willing to die basically for the sheikh, for, for the cause? The first person that stands up from among them, he is the person we're going to ask, he's the person we're going to bring in, and we're going to question him. So, what's the, what's the strategy here? So, the Khalifa says, May Allah have mercy on you. What are you doing? What's the strategy here? He's asking the Qadi, like, what are you doing? What's, what's your purpose here? You're going to get people really frightened and there's going to be no evidence. I mean, why, why don't you let Junaid speak? Why are you getting somebody to speak from outside, from one of his students? That's not permitted for us. That's not going to bring about fairness and justice. So Qadi says, no, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, you know these Sufis, these people of spirituality, they love to give others preference on themselves. They love to put other people forward for something good, or they love to put themselves forward for a sacrifice more than others. So go ahead, let your executioner go out and make an announcement that who wants to stand up basically to face the sword. Whoever stands up first, then you must know that he's going to be the most ignorant one among them. This is really interesting. Whoever stands up first from his students, he's going to be the most ignorant one among them, but he's also going to be the most sincere one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it. From all of the people there, the one you say, I'm willing to do this. Right? He's probably the most ignorant, but he is also the most truthful. So he will stand up so that he can give preference to his people so that they can live longer. Now, when the most ignorant one among his people, right, among his students come to us, the fuqaha, the jurists, the scholars, they're going to debate with him in whatever they ask him. And you have to remember these scholars, they're not going to overcome him. They're not going to overcome him. They're not going to be able to overcome him. And he may not overcome them either. But they're definitely not going to overcome him and he's not going to overcome them. So that's how we're going to be able to create harmony and we're going to be able to bring about some kind of agreement and a settlement here. You know when he said that the most ignorant among them, he doesn't mean the most ignorant like who doesn't know anything. The most ignorant from all the people, all of his students. They were all very well educated, mashallah, very connected to Allah. But the most ignorant, the one who's willing to go first. So... Basically, he, uh, the Qadi then tells the, the Amir, meaning the, the Khalifa, he said, because this is a major catastrophe we have. This is a very, very bad predicament, very dangerous situation we're in. Right? We don't know 
how are we going to get out of this? Because there's either going to be, because what he said is that, فَإِنَّهُ إِنْ قُتِلَ الْجُنَيْدِ نَزَلَتْ دَاحِيَةٌ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ Because if Junaid gets killed today, right, and they somehow prove it, and he gets killed, then this is going to be a huge mark against Islam. This is going to, because you're losing one of your most uh, religious, righteous wali of Allah. And, فَإِنَّ قُتْبَ الْإِيمَانِ فِي عَصْرِ فَإِنَّهُ قُتْبَ الْإِيمَانِ فِي عَصْرِنَا and if you have to kill all of these all of these scholars, then that's a huge musibah. That's another massive catastrophe. How can you kill all the scholars? Of, and that's something you've already said you're going to do. So you're going to have to do one of those things. Because remember, he said that first to that first scholar who came to him that either you're going to get killed or he's going to get killed. So then Amir said, "Lillahi darruk lakad asabt." Now the Amir is very happy now, the Khalif is very happy that Masha, you got it. Like you found a way to sort this issue out, otherwise there is going to be a big issue. You either kill the main, uh, the, the main spiritual scholar or you kill all the other scholars. Subhanallah, we need to find a way out of this. He told, he told the execution, okay, go ahead, go outside and ask, uh, make that announcement. So Walid goes outside while he's got his sword out, and while he's got his sword with him, he stands up in front of all of the students. There's a... 270 of the students there 270 They're all sitting down Heads lowered down Probably in the dhikr of Allah making dua right? they're, they're, they're doing dua So suddenly he announces Who among you is going to stand up for, uh, And confront the sword so, so, so Immediately there's one man who stood up Immediately one of them stood up And uh, his name was Abu Hassan al-Nuri Abu Hassan al-Nuri He stood up So what he said to him Walid said, I've not seen a bird fly so quickly, like suddenly take off so quickly, that's how he was. He just literally just jumped up in front of me and I was so surprised by how fast he got up. So I said to him, oh person, he didn't know his name, he said, oh person, do you know why you're getting up? Do you know why you're getting up and why you're standing up? He said, yes. Didn't you, he said to him, yes, didn't you, didn't you say that which one among you is going to stand up for the sword? I know exactly why I'm getting up. So I said to him, yes. So why did you stand up then? He said, because I, I know that the dunya is a prisoner for the believer. So I want to go to the abode of happiness quickly. And I want to give more of a chance to my companions so that they can stay longer in this world. Even if that's for one more moment. And maybe if I'm to be killed, then maybe all of this evil that has begun this whole evil court that has begun, maybe this will, be, this will subside and maybe it will be diffused just because of me and my sacrifice. So everybody will be safe then. So he said, فَعَجِبْتُ مِنْ فَصَاحَتِهِ You know, so eloquent, so sure, I was totally taken aback and astonished. So I said, okay, fine, go inside, come with me and you're going to respond to the judge and all of his questions. Now that's when it says, that his, the face, his color of his face changed and his, he started tearing, he started crying. So his tears started, uh, he started shedding tears. He says, al-Qadi." He thought, I was just going to be killed. You're telling me that I'm going to have to respond to the Qadi. That's even more tough for him, it seems. Subhanallah. Kultu na'am da'ak. He's called you, yes. Qala fahaqqan alayya ijabatu. If the Qadi, the national Qadi has called me, the chief judge, then I'm going to have to respond to him. فَدَّخَلْتُ وَهُوَ معي. So I went in and he comes in with me. 
And I told the, I, I, I told the, the Khalifa and the Qadi, I mentioned the whole story to them. And they, they were both taken aback by the readiness of this person. So now the Qadi started to ask him a very complicated question. And he said to him the following question. He says, who are you? Manant. Who are you? Walima khuliqt. Why were you created? And wama arad Allahu bi khalqik. And what, does, what did Allah intend by your creation? So who are you? Why were you created? And what has Allah intended by your creation? Wa rabbuka mink. And where is your Lord uh, from you? Where is your Lord? Like, with perspective to you, where is your Lord? So immediately, remember he's a bit scared first, but now immediately he says, Waman tas'aluni. Who are you to ask me? Who are you to ask me these questions? He says, Anaqadil Qudat. I am the chief justice. Literally, I am the judge of all judges. That's what it means. Qadil Qudat. I am the judge of all judges. So he said to him, Idan la Rabba Gayruk, Wala Ma'buda Siwak, Anta Qadil Qudat. And look at this. As soon as the person calls himself, as soon as the judge called himself the judge of all judges, this guy just changed. He said, Oh, so that means there is no Lord but you. There is nobody worthy of worship except you. You are the judge of all judges and this is the day of judgment basically. This is the day of judgment and the people have all been gathered already. Right? Can you see where he's going with this? He's like saying, oh, so you're calling yourself Allah and this is the day of judgment now. And he says, oh, that means all of this has happened. Everybody has been gathered. But where is that blow of the trumpet? Where's the blast of the trumpet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in the Quran that the trumpet will be blown and people will, will basically swoon? Right? They'll, they'll faint. Everybody on the earth, except those who Allah wishes. I never heard that. Where's that gone? If this is the day of judgment and you're the God. Am I of those who also fainted? Or am I of those who Allah exempted from that as Allah mentions in the Quran? Come and answer me. What's going on here? And this Qadi just dumbstruck. He didn't know what to say for a while. And then he said, Ya hadha. Are you trying to make me a God? Like, do you think that I'm the God? Ma'ad Allah. He said, no, Ma'ad Allah, of course not. Allah's refuge be that I make you the God. But anta ta'ahilt. But anta ta'allat, actually. You're the one who made yourself out to be the God. Haythu tasammayta biqadil qudat. When you call yourself the judge of all judges. Walaysa qadil qudat illa al-qadil ladhi yaqdi wa la yukda The only judge of, the judge of all judges is only the one who judges and nobody can judge against him. Like, do you have no other names you can use? Can you believe this? It's like, don't you have any other names you can use? Couldn't you have, wouldn't it be sufficient for you to call yourself the judge of the Muslims or one of the jurists or just one of the servants of Allah? You know, such that you're actually calling yourself the judge of all judges. Okay, if you're too big to call yourself your real name, Ali ibn Abi Thawr, then, so couldn't you just call yourself Qadi of the Muslims and so on? He kept, he kept at him saying all of these things until this poor Qadi began to cry. 
And this was the weakest of them. This was the jahil from among that group. Can you imagine it? So much so that he nearly fainted. Actually, he did faint. And the Khalifa began to cry. Junaid began to cry. So finally, he, Junaid, he took control of the situation and he said to his student, Aqsid min itabika lil qadi, like, take it easy, don't tell him of that much. Faqad qataltu, you've killed him, look at this. You made him faint. Khalli sabir, let him go now. Now when the Qadi came back to consciousness, uh, he literally fainted. Right? These were people of, mashallah, these, these were not jokers. I mean, these people were genuine, serious people. And this Qadi was a sincere person who had tried to defuse the situation anyway. So when the Qadi came back to consciousness, he says, Ya Abul Hassan, ajibni and Masalati, please just give me your answer to the questions that I asked you. Who are you? Why, you know, what does Allah want from you? And so on. I make tawbah. I, should, I will not call myself Qadi al-Qudat anymore. I make tawbah. I repent. Just give me the answer. So the student tells him, Okay, udhkur uh, mas'alatak. Just, uh, just say, your, uh, say your questions again. Fa'inni nasito. I've forgotten your answers. He, he was so perturbed by the Qadi al-Qudat uh, statement that he'd even forgotten the questions. So he responded with the questions. So firstly, this uh, student, Abu al-Hasan al-Nuri, he first looks to his right and he says, Atujawibuhu, will you respond? I don't know who he's looking at. And then he said, Hasbi Allah. And then after that, he did the same thing to his left. He said, Are you going to respond? And Hasbi Allah. And then he looked to the front and he says, Are you going to respond? And then he said, Alhamdulillah. There's nobody around him. Right, so he's not talking to anybody in particular, but he's to right, left, and in front. And then after that, he raised his hand, uh, his head to the to the qadi, and he said, "When you may Allah have mercy on you, when you ask, who are you? Well, I am the servant of Allah, because Allah says, in kullu man samawati wal ardi illa ati rahmani abda, that everything, there's nothing basically on in the heavens or the earth except that it will come to the most merciful one as uh, in servitude." So I am that, I am a servant of Allah. And when you say that, why were you created? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was a treasure who was unknown. When there was no creation, he was a treasure waiting to be known. So he created me so that I could recognize him, so that he could be recognized. Because Allah says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I've only created the human and the jinns so that they could worship him. I.e., he says, so that they could recognize him, they could know him. They could get to know him. As Ibn Abbas and others have said. And then when you ask that, what does Allah want from, your, from creating you? Then, فَمَا أَرَادَ بِي إِلَّا كَرَامَتِي Then I think that Allah has only intended to honor me. Because Allah says, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ That we have honored the children of Adam. So that's, why, that's what I think Allah wants from me. And when then you say, that where is, your Lord, where is your Lord from you at this point? Like, you know, what's your relationship with your Lord? So, He is with me where I am with Him. So, as I deal with Him, He deals with me. The position I am in with Him, He is in that position with me. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ He is with you wherever you are. This is the, apparently the most ignorant and jahil of the students of Junaid al-Baghdadi responding like this. Then he said to him, okay, fine. 
أخبرني كيف هو معك ومعنا في قوله تعالى ومعكم إن ما كنتم. This verse you said that he's with you wherever you are. Then how is he with me? How is he with you in this situation? Exactly. What does that mean? So he responded. He said, هو معنا كيف ما كنا معه. He's with us. However, we're with him. He's giving him a symbolic answer, a metaphorical answer. He's with us. However, we're with him. فإن كنا معه بالطاعة. So if we are with him, obedient. Then he is with us بالعوني والهدى. He is with us with assistance and guidance. وإن كنا معه بالغفلة. But if we're with him, distracted, occupied with something else, then then it's up to him what he wants to do with us. And if we're with him with disobedience, then he is going to give us a chance. He he gives us respite. وإن كنا بالتوبة. Then if we do توبة, then he accepts. But if we don't do that, then he basically can punish us. So then the Qadi said, you're saying the right thing. This is the orthodox view of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah anyway. Because he's asking these questions for a reason. Because a lot of the heresy comes in this regard. Especially from Sufis. Okay, so now tell him where he is with me. In particular. So he responded, he says, You tell me first, where are you with God? Then I can tell you where he's with you. Right? So then he said, Sadaqta ya Ali fima kult. You're absolutely right in what you said. Okay, now tell me about another mas'ala. He said, okay, what is it? He says, I just want to ask you, why did you kind of look towards your right and stoop down and ask a question and then to your left and then in front? What was all that about? So he responded, he says, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you honor. He says, the question that you asked me about, I had no idea how to respond to it. I didn't have the knowledge by which to respond to you. So then I turned around to ask the angel on my right that if he would answer. Now I don't know what relationship he's got with the angel, but he said, I turned to the angel that writes on my right and I said, would you respond? So the, the, the angel said that, la ilma li. Now I don't know how that, that, inter, that interaction took place. Allah knows best, right? He basically said, I don't have any knowledge about this. So then I said, hasbi Allah, may Allah suffice me. And same thing. I, I consign my matter to Allah. And then what about in your life? He said, well, the same kind of thing. What about in front? He says, well, that was me. When I looked in front like that, I was actually asking my own heart. I was asking my heart. That he, and my heart said, yes, we're going to respond. So I said, alhamdulillah. So my heart said, yes, we're going to respond. So I said, alhamdulillah. Shakiran ala al-hidayah. Wa muqirran lahu bil-ijzi an idraq al-nihayah. Ya Allah. So then the Qadi found the Qadi found the opening. He says, "Oh, so you speak to angels, do you?" Because I mean, nobody speaks to angels, right? Well, I mean, people do, but that's special, you know. So, malaika angels speak to you. Fakala wayhak. He says, "Woe be upon you! Amatara rabbul malaika kallamani hina hadani lihujjati wa kuntu la arifuha." He says, "Forget the angels. The Lord of the angels spoke to me." This is all his way to answer the question. He said, the Lord of the angels spoke to me to give me the response I gave you. I didn't have that response in my mind. So if the Lord can speak to me, why not the angels? He's trying to tell him. Although Allah knows exactly how the angels, if they spoke or not. But basically the answer is to shut them up, right? To show them what's right. So the Lord of the angels spoke to me. When he told me how to respond to you. When I didn't know that. So then he said, Ya hadha al-ana qad sahha indi hamkuk. Okay, now I understand that you're foolish. This is what the, this is what the Qadi said to him. Now I understand you're quite foolish. Right? 
Because remember he said, I'm going to ask the most foolish one among them. He's foolish in a very clever sense. He's foolish in a very pious sense rather. Like it's just very blunt, very straightforward foolishness. Right? No, no diplomacy, no politics, just very straightforward. He's actually now saying, and your kufr and your heresy has now become established. Again, this is a, a ploy. Like he's trying to get him agitated. What do you think now I should do with you? How do you want me to kill you? Like which method do you want me to kill you by? What is it that you want to do with me when you are the Qadi Al-Qudat? You're the judge of all judges. Like what are you going to do with me And you know, if you are the Qadi Al-Qudat? And if you are going to judge... If you are somebody who can judge and nobody can judge against you, then go ahead and judge however you want. Again, he's reminding of his position. What are you fa'lin lak? What kind of agency do you have to do whatever you want? So then he said to him, Ana qadi al bima yaqdi bihi. I am a judge and I'm going to judge with whatever can be judged. Or we're going to judge with whatever can be judged. Or we're going to be judged with whatever can be judged. فَقَالْ لَهُ فَهِمْتُ خِطَابًا he says, haven't you understood the address, the announcement, the, the message from that Qadi who judges and who cannot be judged? So he said, what is that? He said, Allah says, Today, no nafs will be oppressed in any way. No body will be oppressed in any way. And you will not be compensated for except what you used to do. Basically saying that you better have justice. So then he said to him, Okay, وَمَا تُرِيدُ أَنْتَ What do you want? اِقْضِي بِمَا شِئْتَ الْآنِ He said, do whatever you want. Make a judgment, whatever you want. طِبْتَ وَطَابَتْ نَفْسِي عَلَى لِقَاءِ رَبِّي You can be happy. I'll be happy with meeting my Lord anyway. So that is when... The Qadi turned his head away and he turned to Mutawakkil, the, the Khalifa, and he said to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Utruk ha'ula. I've done everything with these people. Let these people go. Let these people go. Because if these people are heretics, if these people are away from the deen, if they're messed up, Muslim, then that means there is no Muslim on the surface of this earth. These are the lanterns of knowledge. Islam, the pillars of Islam. These are the true believers, the sincere servants of Allah. And that is when the Khalifa turned to Junaid and he says, Ya Abu Al-Qasim. The Junaid al-Baghdadi's title was Abu Al-Qasim. He says, Ha'ula'il Fuqaha. He said, All of these scholars that have gathered, they had gathered in this huge gathering, right? And they had prepared to debate with you so that they could basically overcome you and, 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 and kill you, right? But right now, you have dominated over them by your most, your, your basically smallest of your, your murids, smallest of your students, right? And, and I have taken an oath, basically. I've made a promise that if you overcome them, then I'm going to literally just go through them with the sword and finish them all off. But right now, it's up to you to forgive them. Either they're going to die now, or you're going to forgive them. So, Junaid al-Baghdadi says, Al-Iyadu billah ya Sayyidi, an yamuta ahadun minhum bisababi. 
Allah, um, Allah, Allah, Allah's uh, refuge that, oh, oh, oh my master, Allah's refuge that any of them should die because of, my, because of me. Why should any of them die because of me? May Allah forgive us and may Allah forgive them. And there is no, there is, there, 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 there is nothing that I'm going to do for them even accusing me of these things. Right? It was just ignorance. Uh, it was only due to ignorance that they sought what they did in the beginning. So that's how, mashallah, the whole majlis was ended after that huge problem. We don't understand, you know, these, these sultans of the past, the khalifs of the past, that they, they could just take your head off. They dealt with matters by just finishing people off. Right, so this was going to be a huge carnage here. Nobody died in this gathering, and walhamdulillah. So then, after that, what happens is that the Qadi he turns to this Nuri, he loves him now, and he says, Ya Ali, a'jabani haluk. You know, I'm really astonished by your state. Wallahi shahidun inni uhibbuk. Allah, uh, Allah is witness that I love you, right? That, uh, Allah is witness that I love you, but I've still got another question to ask you. Right? As a person who wants guidance from you, that's why I want to ask you. So now tell me and guide me. May Allah have mercy on you. He says, okay, ask me whatever you want. He says that, okay. Uh, he says, ask me whatever you want because if I've got a response, then I'll give it to you. And if I don't, then I'm gonna, if I don't have the knowledge, then I'm going to say I don't have the knowledge and that is not going to harm me in any way. That's not going to be difficult for me to say that I don't know. So then he asked him a number of questions, right? And he responded to him. And that's how the story ended. But basically what this story highlights, right, as Ibn Ata'illah says, is that when you try to be a better person, sometimes Allah will, pro uh, will bring about a lot of trouble from you. Sometimes from the people who are closest to you that you should trust, your own colleagues, your own family or whatever. And just know that if you're trying to do the right thing and difficulties are coming upon you, then it's just that Allah wants you to secure a bond with him. That's all. So now let's read Ibn, uh, let's read Sheikh Abdullah Ganguhi's explanation here to summarize it. He says, O traveller, he says, O traveller, if you suffer any affliction at the hands of people, whether to your body, wealth or reputation, do not become despondent and disillusioned. There is much wisdom underlying their attitude. In reality, this din discomfort has come to you from Allah Most High. Allah is making this happen. If instead of the hurt, you are favored and comforted by people, you will then find happiness, comfort and repose in them and then place your trust in them instead of in Allah Most High. Allah Most High desires that your heart be completely disillusioned with people. Hence, He causes creation to hurt you. In consequence, you will free yourself from all others. When an intelligent person experiences ingratitude and fickleness in one or two of his associates, he realizes that others too are going to be similar. Once you've got it from a few people, you're going to write, I can't trust anybody now. He will therefore free, fr free his heart from all association. This in reality is a great mercy of Allah Most High for one, is that nothing will make this servant neglectful of his true master. He, the servant now in such a spiritual state, observes that everything is tr temporary, hence he will not derive pleasure in anything besides Allah Most High. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us afiyah, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us closeness to him. وآخر الدعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك تياذ الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين يا خير المسؤولين 
يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين يا الله we ask you for your special mercy Ya Allah, we ask you for your special forgiveness. Oh Allah, forgive us all our misdeeds. Forgive us all our weaknesses. Forgive us all our wrongdoings. Oh Allah, forgive us all our sins. Oh Allah, especially the sins that we have forgotten. And especially those sins that bring darkness in our lives. That, bring, that take away the blessing from our homes and our lives. That has basically brought up this virus upon us. Oh Allah, we ask you protection. We ask you forgiveness from those sins that has allowed this this virus and this difficulty to overcome the world. O oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq to remove these difficulties from us. O oh Allah, purify us. Make us worthy of your mercy. O oh Allah, make us worthy of your mercy. O oh Allah, we ask you especially forgiveness from those sins that we still do, that is part of our life, and we've justified them, and we no longer consider them sins anymore. O oh Allah, grant us true knowledge. O oh Allah, grant us the love that you have granted your awliya. O oh Allah, we ask you for afiyah and well-being. We ask you for safety. O oh Allah, we ask you for connection to you. O oh Allah, we ask you for your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us security with you. You increase our trust and tawakkul in you. O oh Allah, that you take our reliance on others and O oh Allah, put it on you. O oh Allah, there is... O oh Allah, suffice us with the halal, halal away from the haram. And O oh Allah, make us independent from all else but you. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant sabr and patience to those who are losing loved ones during this time. Those who are suffering during this time. Those who are going through illnesses at this time. O oh Allah, do, those who have, loved, who have lost loved ones so fast that they saw them today, they sent them to the hospital and tomorrow they were gone. And they were unable to even see them again. They were not able to attend their bathing. They were not, attend, they were not able to attend even their janazah. Oh Allah, what times are these where you cannot even see your own deceased before they die? Or even after they have died? Oh Allah, remove the difficulty from us. Remove whatever is blocking and preventing your mercy. Oh Allah, it is completely within your domain to stop all of this tomorrow. As soon as it, as fast as it had started, it is so easy for you to finish it off completely. Oh Allah, show us the miracle because we believe you can do this and we have nobody else to turn to. Oh Allah, there are many that are dying, there are many in difficulty. Oh Allah, and there are many that are still heedless. Oh Allah, let us all learn from this. Oh Allah, now that we have suffered this loss, now that we've suffered this calamity, oh Allah, we confess, we we call out to you and we declare that we are happier that we are in this state now because of the reward that we are hopefully insha'Allah getting because of the sabr we have to do than had we not been in this situation. Oh Allah, this is the way that we have been told by our messengers to, to deal with suffering. This is our understanding of our suffering. Oh Allah, allow us to do the right thing. Oh Allah, stop us from doing, protect us from doing the wrong things, having the wrong reactions. These are unprecedented times. Oh Allah, nobody has experienced these times before from anybody who's alive. Oh Allah, that's why we are in a difficult position. The ulama are in a difficult position. Doctors and specialists are in difficult positions. Consultants are in difficult positions. Opinions are changing every day. Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive us for any mistake that we make. But oh Allah, above all, we ask that you guide us aright 
through your wisdom, you guide us aright and you protect us from mistakes and wrongs and protect us from sufferings, protect us from the calamities. And O oh Allah, we ask that you give all of those who are in authority the ability and the understanding to make the right choices and to come back to you. O oh Allah, grant us all, everybody, the tawfiq to come back to you, the divine enabled to come back to you and to remove the vices from the community, to remove the, the problems, the immoralities, the vices, O oh Allah, from the community so that your mercy can come back. O oh Allah, grant us an understanding, open the eyes and the hearts of people so that they can see this and understand this. And O oh Allah, have mercy on us and our families and the entire ummah, the entire, entire mankind. O oh Allah, accept. O oh Allah, this is a chance of a lifetime. This is an opportunity that we may never face again, we have never faced before. O oh Allah, allow us to come out of it better than when we were before we entered, so that at the end we can look back and see that it was a source of mercy for us. O oh Allah, that we can turn this into a source of mercy for us. O oh Allah, restart these masajid. Allow the masajid to come back and be teeming with the people so that the walls can be rever- rever- can reverberate with the, with the words of the adhan and the qira'ah and the Qur'an. O oh Allah, the mihrabs are empty. The members are empty. Oh Allah, today was a Friday, but so many masajid had nobody speak there, nobody to give advice from. Oh Allah, the doors are shut. There are people going to the doors of masajid and praying from there because they cannot enter. Oh Allah, what a what a calamity this is. Maybe even our fathers had, ne- maybe even our grandparents had never seen something like it. Maybe not anybody in history had seen a place like this, a situation like this throughout the world, despite there being probably more masajid in the world today than there's ever been in history before. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us discernment and understanding and now allow us to repent. Allow us to repent and have the right insight to deal with this and to call out to you and to connect with you and to please you. Oh Allah, we know that you love us. Oh Allah, we know that you love mankind, you love humanity. Well, that's why you created us. That's why you've made us like this. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to come back into a loving state that we can also be loved by you. And oh Allah, we can benefit from your love and we can love you. Oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose benefit, whose, whose, whose company benefits us in your courts. And oh Allah, send your abundant, abundant blessings on our messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all of those who've transferred the deen from him to us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen.